Welcome into the Sports Roundtable here at 96.7. I'm Aaron Host, sitting alongside Kelly Gamble. This show is being brought to you by Brouhaha in Kingwood, Three Guys Fitness in Reedsville, Shortcuts in Morgantown, and Parks Kubota in Brewston Mills. Tonight, we'll be talking about the Mountaineers and their results from the NFL Combine, one of the biggest classes of Mountaineers to ever go to the NFL Combine. Then we'll be talking about the Mountaineers' first recruit of the 2020 recruiting class coming out of Danville, Kentucky, Reese Smith. And we'll be talking about how he relates back to Neil Brown from Danville, Kentucky. And then we'll be talking about the WVU baseball team and their victory on Sunday, handing the defending national champion Oregon State Beavers their first loss of the season. And then finally, we'll go into the Pittsburgh Penguins and their push for the Stanley Cup playoff run. Penguins in a little bit of a tight pinch right now. Kelly, how are you this evening? I'm great, Aaron. It's great to be here with you, buddy. I'm looking forward to this next half hour with you talking nothing but sports, one of my biggest passions. So let's jump right into it. The Mountaineers at the Combine, do you think they impressed? Uh, from everything that I have seen, I watched a little bit of the Combine myself as, as well as all the reports. And uh, actually, uh, yes, they fared very well in all phases. Um, in the media, we'll start with Will Greer. Um, he was very uh, confident uh, in his segment with the media. And he's posted solid numbers overall in, in all other aspects. His 40-yard dash was a 4.84. His vertical leap was 34 inches, which I believe was second amongst the quarterbacks. Um, he measured in at six foot two, 217 pounds. Uh, he managed to, uh, in his passing circuit, he had a few overthrown passes, but he also drilled his fair share of throws and showed good velocity on the intermediate and deep passes, Aaron. Um, actually one session, uh, with the teams that he separated himself from the rest of the pack was those intermediate and deep passes. So he's looking good on the intermediate and the deep throws right now. Uh, Greer's football IQ maturity are, are definitely characteristics that, uh, and tools that allow him to develop into a, a good, uh, signal caller in the NFL. And so they was definitely impressed with his ability to take control of things. Um, and now Yadni Kajust, offensive lineman, uh, tackle for the Mountaineers. Uh, he impressed right out of the gate with a program record 32 reps on the bench press. So that's the most that any Mountaineer has ever had. Uh, for those of you in uh, need of a clarification, that's a lot of weight. Um, I don't know if you know how much that is, Aaron, but 32 reps at the bench press. Do you know how much they're bench pressing? No, I, I know. I absolutely do not know how much weight is on that bar. I believe it's two twenty-five, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that that's exactly right. But thirty-two reps at two twenty-five would be quite an impressive stat. You do two twenty-five times thirty-two. That is a enormous amount of weight. I know. I am nowhere near close to twenty-five on the bench press, and I only do ten reps. And so, definitely very strong men there, especially in Rod- Yadni Congest. Well, uh, Yadni could just measure it out favorably again with a massive 82 and a quarter wingspan. Um, he uh, is being looked at as the the first Mountaineer taken in draft when it comes to the mock drafts that we're hearing about right now. Um, Trevon Wesco, uh, tight end for the Mountaineers. Uh, he's being, uh, when I was watching the uh, combine, Aaron, they listed that they believe that Wesco will probably be a fullback. He is the heaviest tight end in this crop that's at the combine. Um, he... Uh, he stands at 6'3", and just a shade under 270, so he's about 269 pounds. Um, he was a welcome surprise uh, in Morgantown. He had a great senior year. Again, a local kid from Martinsburg. He's from the state of West Virginia. Uh, he posted a 4.89 in a 40-yard dash, so for 270 pounds, that's pretty good speed for a big boy. Um, 
he's actually um, likely made himself a good deal of money uh, because of being in Indianapolis this week. So they think that he has definitely moved up uh, from the mock drafts that he wasn't really even in, listed in the first seven rounds earlier. He has now moved up in the mock draft. So uh, we believe that he is going to represent Mountaineer Nation well. Gary Jennings, a wide receiver. Um, everybody knows that he's an incredible tough receiver and he was always getting behind coverage and he did 20 reps on the bench press, a 37 inch vertical leap with a blistering 4.42 40 yard dash. I don't know that anybody realized that Gary Jennings ran a 4.42, so that was very impressive at the combine. He is six foot one, 214 pounds. Uh, they're talking about that. He's just basically solid muscle as well. So they're very impressed with, with Gary Jennings. Um, David Sills, uh, the other Mountaineer receiver, um, the same kid who grabbed a scholarship offer from Wayne Kiffin when he was 13 years old, is now looking to be drafted as a wide receiver um, instead of a quarterback. He had a surprisingly fast, they're saying, 4.57 time in the 40. Uh, some of that was things that we had talked about on the sports blitz, and some of the questions was, can he beat coverage deep? But as I said then, he's a football player. He probably runs better in pads than he does when he's out there running with Without him, excuse me. Uh, he's got a tremendous, tremendously high ceiling, uh, given that he's only played receiver for just over two years. So based on raw talent alone, he's uh, definitely continuing to develop. Um, and they're, they're looking for him, again, as a, a big possession receiver, but he can still get deep. Um, so I'm looking forward to see where he goes in this draft as well. David Long, who came out a year early, a linebacker from West Virginia. Um, we all know that he has an intense uh, demeanor when it comes to the football field. He's very aggressive, a uh, little on the low side of weight for what the scouts were worried about. Um, but he had 18 reps on his bench press. Um, they they do question his size and durability. Um, but whenever there's a team out there that likes a zone blitz and plays some variation of uh, the Tampa 2, uh, Long is the guy. So Tampa Bay is one of the teams that's looking at him. Uh, he has natural instincts that you can't teach. Uh, basically, I've always said this man's just a football player. And so I'm looking forward, I think, that the Mountaineers, from, again, everything that I've read, everything I've seen and heard through the Combine, Aaron, the Mountaineers showed very well at this Combine, and I'm looking forward to what the draft has, and hopefully all six of them will be drafted. Well, I'll admit, I stand corrected definitely when it comes to Will Greer. Will Greer did not impress me too much in the latter stages of the football season, especially when he didn't show up at the Camping World Bowl. Everybody knows how I feel on that issue, and I, I won't go into that issue anymore. But I'm, I'm right along with you, Kelly. I do hope they do succeed. I know my criticisms towards Will Greer was that he, he – I, I, I just think he wouldn't manage the game well when it comes to the NFL because at every stage you go up from, whether it's from middle school to high school, high school to college, college to the pros, the game gets faster – and the players become more talented, and the the wheat get weeded out very quick. The cream yeah. rises to the top. So well, I, well, I I hope so. Yadni just really surprised me with all those reps that he got. I, I watched that video live, and that was just amazing at the amount of weight that he that he pushed up so many times. That that is that that is true strength, especially for an offensive lineman that he will need. Well, I think that that definitely uh, strength is definitely something you have to have in the NFL. And whenever it comes to protecting your quarterback, uh, offensive lineman is always going to be where it starts. So again, he seems to be as of right now still the the top 
um, when it comes to the the mock drafts that Yannick Adjust is looking to be the first Mountaineer taken off the board. But again, we will see when that draft occurs. And uh, again, I'm looking forward to it. Um, uh, I'm a big time college fan. I can't say I'm as big as an NFL fan, but I always want to see uh, the blue and gold um, succeed and do well when it comes to the next level. Well, guys, that's going to do it for our first segment here on the Sports Roundtable. Coming up, we got a message from our sponsors who are bringing you this show tonight. I want to thank all of our listeners as that are listening right now and just continue to support us as we bring the best that we possibly can. The Brouhaha is under new ownership. Brandy Merchant invites you to stop in and enjoy the caffeine cuisine of Preston County, located at 119 Price Street in Kingwood. Try the espresso bar where the coffee beans are roasted in-house, and the coffee is delicious. Now, not only do they have the espresso bar, teas, and frozen treats available, check out the soup of the day and breakfast is served all day, or see their full menu. So what are you waiting for? Visit the Brouhaha in Kingwood and get your caffeine fix. Three Guys Fitness near Reedsville is Preston County's premier 24-hour fitness facility offering a safe and secure environment to help you achieve your fitness goals. Their family-friendly atmosphere is the best environment to create a better you. If you want to feel younger, perform better in sports, or just be able to carry your laundry up the stairs, Three Guys Fitness is for you. Mention you heard this on K-Country and receive $5 off your initial membership fee. Three Guys Fitness near Reedsville. Welcome back into the Sports Roundtable here at 96.7. I'm Aaron Host, sitting alongside Kelly Gamble. As we jump in, we're going to be talking about the Mountaineers now as they won against the defending national champions in baseball. The Oregon State Beavers on Sunday by a score of 2-0, to zero, handing them their first loss of the season. Quite an impressive win, wasn't it, Kelly? Absolutely, and just to take one out of three is a big deal when you're playing the defending national champs. Uh, they was ranked number three, as high as number three in one of the polls, Aaron, uh, and they were undefeated on the year going into this series. Uh, so West Virginia gives them their first loss. Oregon State is now 10-1 and on the year. West Virginia improves to 6-5. and five. Uh, I had the opportunity to go down and watch a game against Towson State. Um, and, you know, I, I'm impressed with the pitching staff. And the pitching all weekend against Oregon State, again, the defending national champs, was very good. Even in the game that they lost 9-2, to two, a lot of it was from errors, uh, wild pitches, uh, hit uh, batsman. So other than that one with Alec Manoa, which is supposed to be the ace of our staff, but it looks as though right now that Cade Stroud, he's now one and one, but in his loss to Georgia Southern, he gave up one unearned run and they lost that game one to nothing. So Cade Stroud shut down the bats of Oregon State. He gave up uh, in six and a third innings. He had to give up one hit. He had a no hitter uh, for two six innings. And, and then uh, they closed it down. Sam Kessler came in to pitch the final two innings. Uh, Sam's our closer, and the Mountaineers put uh, two solo homers on the board. Kevin Brophy and Paul McIntosh both went deep in the second inning, so a big, big confidence booster for the Mountaineer baseball team. And I had the opportunity to uh, to get some interviews myself after the Towson game, and Coach Maisie was not intimidated at all taking his team out to Corvallis, Oregon, and playing the defending national champs. He said that the, he's used to playing 
big-time competition when you're in the Big 12 with the likes of TCU and Texas and Oklahoma State and Baylor. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what the Mountaineers can do this year. So the pitching staff is doing very well. They lost their second game 4-2. to two. So the pitching staff, again, kept them in the game and gave them an opportunity. And I believe that as they continue to get more at-bats, the bats are going to come alive. But right now, you can't have anything better, as Coach Maisie said, than having your pitching staff. If you're going to lack in one of them right now, uh, it's going to be the bats, and you always want your pitching to be the, the main cog of your um, of your team. So right now, the pitching staff is looking really, really good. And I think from this performance, Cade Stroud was co-player of the week in the Big 12. So great pitching performance by Stroud. He did have a few walks, but I think they had, if I'm not mistaken, five, I know five, maybe six double plays uh, turned by the Mountaineer defense. So the Mountaineer defense looking well early in the season as well. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I'm noticing and just watching them and hearing them, the Mountaineers got a solid team. This is a team that's supposed to be one of the better teams they've had in years. Like you said, Alex Manoa, he was named preseason All-American, if I do believe, in baseball, which is almost unheard of for WVU baseball because for years the baseball team was underappreciated, underheard. Uh, when they played at Holly Field, it, it wasn't the best facility for a Division One baseball team to play in. And now they're playing up at Montegelli County Ballpark when sharing the facility with the West Virginia Black Bears. I think it presents new opportunities, and it definitely helps them out with at least recruiting to bring in better recruits to 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 build the program. And I know just just the just the aura around it. Randy Mazie has built that program from where it was to where it is now. It's it's all Randy Mazie's doing. He's a he's a heck of a baseball coach. He's a He's a man with a great reputation in the college baseball world with great uh, successes at the places he's been. He's, he's brought teams from little schools to where they're, they're, they're power schools now. And just at the moments I've seen him just walking around town, sometimes I get to see him. He's a very respectful guy. He's a very upfront, humble person. But uh, going back to the baseball sense of the topic, I, I, I go to probably eight, nine, ten home games a year in person and watch them. And you can just feel the intensity when you go there. And to, to go back to the Oregon State the Oregon State series, yes, they lost two or three games, but that's the defending national champs. And if you look at the uh, the amount of runs they gave up, they very easily could have swept the Oregon State Beavers. It's just a matter of the bats and the pitching that the Oregon State Beavers had because to be the national champions, you have to be one of the better teams, and they showed that. And I think it's I think it's just a testament to show how Randy Macy has prepared this team, and I can see it being a very successful game. And, uh, and uh, don't forget, everybody, that the 96-7 here in Kingwood, West Virginia, will be bringing you – the Mountaineer baseball team starting March 22nd as they take on the Baylor Bears from Waco. It'll be on our airway, so be sure to check out 96.7 WKMM. Also streaming online at kcountryradio.com, a website that I'm very proud that I revamped and it looks very good, and I've heard a lot of rave reviews from the people around the station. So now let's transition into Mountaineer football. Even though it is a down period for the Mountaineers, just right before they start ramping up for spring football, let's talk about the Mountaineers' newest recruit, a person that has already committed to the Mountaineers. He is from Coach Neil Brown's hometown of Danville, Kentucky. Reese Smith, a wide receiver. He had uh, his senior year there, he had 1,150 receiving yards and 20 touchdowns as a junior. 
and I would consider that outstanding considering he still has one more year to play as a senior. So, I mean, definitely, definitely uh, two thumbs up for Neil Brown as he's already signed one recruit early on for the class of 2020 coming to the West Virginia Mountaineers. Coach Brown's very excited as well as Travis Trickett uh, and the inside receivers coach for the Mountaineers as well as the outside receivers coach Xavier Dye. Uh, they seem very excited about this young man. He's only five foot eleven, 175 pounds, and he plays out of the slot. However, uh, despite his size, he has impressive leaping ability. He's able to dunk a basketball um, and at 5'11". So he tracks the ball also well over his shoulder, and he has very good speed, separating from the cornerbacks easily, and uses his knowledge um, as a defensive back where he also, as a sophomore, picked off nine passes. So he had he's a, has a nose for the ball. So nine interceptions as a sophomore as well as 20 touchdowns receiving um, as a junior. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Tennessee and Kentucky also was after him. And so, you know, the SEC is recruiting him. Then we, Neil Brown is very happy right now with his uh, first recruit for 2020. Well, definitely with the SEC and the, the amount of the plethora of talent, they, they, they just uh, they scourge out of those areas. It's just It just goes to show that just the talent of Neil Brown and his coaching staff to to pluck a guy out of Kentucky. Granted, it's in Neil Brown's backyard, but still goes to show that Travis Trick and Neil Brown are very high up on them, and both those coaches have a very deep past when it comes to recruiting. Neil Brown starting out, I know he started out at Kentucky. He played. He started out offensive coordinator at Kentucky. Yeah, I think that there's definitely roots there, and I think because of those roots, um, this young man has chose, I think, not only because of the roots that uh, Neil Brown has there, but I think because he knows that Neil Brown is a winner. Uh, Neil Brown has that family atmosphere and a father figure, uh, and I'm, I'm again, looking forward to uh, not only this year's group that Neil Brown's taken over, but the recruits to come, because I think one of the biggest questions, Aaron, was people questioned, could he recruit at the Power 5 level? And I do believe that he can. He took Troy and turned him into a team that people had to know about. Because whenever you almost defeat the national champions, you lose by six points to Clemson the year that they win their national title, the the first one. And then also defeating LSU. Uh, Neil Brown, there's no doubt that he's going to get recruits. I mean, even more so now that he's at a Power 5 conference and and in the Big 12. I think that uh, he's going to do a very good job as well as his assistant coaches in the recruiting path. So looking forward to it. And, again, we got a nice one already, uh, and the kid has another year. So uh, we'll pray that he keeps his health good and that he has an even better senior season than he did as a junior. One thing I want to ask you, Kelly, and we do, I didn't even mention to you this off record, what do you think is the biggest question mark besides Austin Kendall and the quarterback fighting the, 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 the fighting for the number one quarterback spot going into spring football. What would be the biggest question mark for the Mountaineers? Well, I think it's got to be still the defense always. Um, I'm still more concerned. I know we lost a lot of talent off of the offense, but I think the defensive line is going to be still the, the biggest issue. And uh, I think that uh, Coach Koning is going to come in with a different system. So I'm looking uh, at the defensive line, and our linebackers have to stay healthy. Uh, we have a lot of experience coming back in the defensive backfield. And, of course, some people might say, well, you know, they got beat up pretty good, especially the last three games of the year in the secondary. But that secondary is coming back with experience, and that's one of the things you can never take away is the experience that they have. The linebackers, as we know, we had two or three linebackers out for the entire season. So if they all come back healthy this year, I think that the biggest issue though for me would be the defensive line. I think if the defensive line can – uh, keep the, the linemen off the linebackers, that uh, West Virginia is going to improve defensively this year under the new coaching staff as well. 
I know everybody, if you guys listened to our show that just ended a week ago, the Blitz, I made an astronomical prediction saying the Mountaineers were going 10-2, and a lot of people consider that very unrealistic. But just the feeling I get around the football team, I feel that this year is going to be somehow a surprisingly very successful year. And that that's just me and my opinion. It may not be 10-2, it may be 9-3. and three. Whichever, I do think they will go to a bowl game. I think they will upset a team, and I, my prediction for an upset will be the Oklahoma Sooners. I think Neil Brown will bring them into, will bring them into Norman, and they will defeat him. And Austin Kendall, who transferred from Oklahoma, I think he'll have a little bit of chip on his shoulder to show Lincoln Riley that he was wrong about Austin Kendall all along. I'm looking forward to seeing what this young man brings. Again, we have two top ten recruits from out of the same. Um, year and I'm, I believe that Austin Kendall will win the, the job as well and that he's going to have that competitive edge when he goes in there and uh, I want to believe right with you Aaron uh, I'm, I, my, if I'm going to say what I'm thinking of I said on the blitz that if we could go 7-5 and five, uh, you know 8-4 and 6-6 six and six even making a bowl game is important in Neil Brown's first year and his expectations aren't real big right now so it's not like he's coming in here with expectations to take us to a national title but I agree with you I think the potential is there with his coaching staff and the way that they coach to see the Mountaineers have a very successful season uh, one, this upcoming year. One thing I've heard with Neil Brown and the tenacity that he brings and the organization that he brings to that football team is he will not settle for mediocrity. He's a he's a guy that is intense. He's out there to win every game. He's not out there to throw any games. I'm not saying any Mountaineer coach ever would do that, but you did get that feeling when it came to bowl games if it wasn't the bowl game that the Mountaineers were hoping for, being one of the bigger bowl games such as the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, what have you. Well, folks, we're going to transition into our final topic for tonight. The Pittsburgh Penguins, they're in their playoff push. They're fighting for that final wild card spot for the Stanley Cup. They are the current team with the longest active streak going into the playoffs. Coming off a year ago, not not last year, the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup final. But two years ago, the Penguins won the Stanley Cup back-to-back years. And I think, I think this is unfamiliar territory for us Penguins fans. We... We we are used to by this time of the year being the March of the Penguins right now that the playoff spot is basically locked up right now. We're usually locked up in one of the top seeds, and this year we're fighting for it. But I know with a lot of Pittsburgh teams, I would rather, and this this may this may sound a little bit contradictory to what I what I'm feeling. I believe it's better to go in as fighting as coming in fighting coming in hot fighting for that last spot than being a team that's already had it locked up for for a month like the Tampa Bay Lightning. It, it shows that the team's going to have to fight their way, and the Penguins have done it before. The Penguins, back when they won it in 08 and 09, when Dan Bilesma was introduced as the head coach in February, they won the Stanley Cup with one of the lower seeds, and they ran the tables being the Detroit Red Wings in Game 7, as Max Talbot scored both of the goals, and that was coming off a year when they lost the year before to the Detroit Red Wings in Game 6 at Pittsburgh when it was then the Mellon Arena. So I want to go over to Kelly tonight. The Penguins are actually tonight at 7 o'clock. The Pittsburgh Penguins will be in action taking on the Florida Panthers, and they desperately need the win. The Carolina Hurricanes are, as of right now, right above them. 
And that's something that alarms us Pittsburgh Penguins fans. I know the Penguins, they, they, they don't got the best schedule. They do got a little bit of a tough one coming up, coming up next, coming up on Thursday. They play Columbus, a rival at home. Then they go back on March 9th and they play at Columbus in a home and home series. And then they take on the Boston Bruins on Sunday. And then next Tuesday, they take on the defending Stanley Cup champs in the Washington Capitals. The Penguins have, they, 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 it's been a coin toss when they've been playing. Last game they won, which was on March 2nd. They beat the Montreal Canadiens 5-1, to coming off a loss against Buffalo when they lost 4-3 to in overtime. Oh. It seems to me when the Pittsburgh Penguins win, they win by a lot, and when they lose, it's lost in the last few seconds of the game. It's definitely heartbreaking. Like I'm seeing some of the losses, 5-4. to That game, the Calgary Flames came back. When they lost four to nothing, that was the game where the Penguins got dominated by the San Jose Sharks. The Philadelphia Flyer, Flyers game in the stadium series has been the biggest debacle this year so far. They were up three one with six minutes left, and they gave up three straight goals to lose that game in overtime. A heartbreaker for me as a Penguins, and it was very hard for me to watch. So, the one thing I'm going to ask you, Kelly, is with all the stats that I'm seeing and everything. I think the biggest issue for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now is consistency in the netminder position. Well, absolutely. They, uh, you know, that's the main thing is you got to keep them from scoring goals. And right now, the Penguins are tied for the eighth spot right now with the Canadians, uh, as well as the Columbus Blue Jackets. I get right behind them, two two points back. So this is going to be a dogfight to the end. And and I agree with you. I like the Penguins' chances playing uh, from that underdog role. It seems to me that they, they play better against the competition. They play up whenever they're playing the, the tougher teams. And it seems like sometimes they end up with a loss to a team that we expect them to win. So I think when it comes to the playoffs, the Penguins always seem to rise to the occasion as we've known that they've won five Stanley Cups now since uh, that first beginning kind of to build a sort of a dynasty with Mario Lemieux uh, back in the 91-92 seasons. And Lemieux and Yager and Ronnie Francis was in the, the net back then. And um, I think that uh, that's been their probably biggest issue right now is their goaltender. And, you know, uh, they're going to have to – of course, the defenseman's going to have to do their job, and that's why they're called defensemen. So I think that if uh, they pull it all together and get the right lines out there, uh, Aaron, that they have just as good as chance as any. That's one of the things I've seen within hockey. Uh, in the NFL, you have the cream of the crop. It seems like the top teams, you know, that you can usually pick three or four teams that is going to win. But when it comes to hockey, I've seen it year after year that anybody from that eight spot, uh, you know, can possibly even jump up and bite somebody and 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 pull out the Stanley Cup. So I'm looking forward to the Penguins playing as an underdog role and believing that they will hold on to that at least eight spot. Hopefully, they'll get into the six or seven spot. But uh, uh, look forward to the. The run, and uh, that's that's why it's so fun to watch. Whenever you get this time of year, it's uh, it's playoff time, so they're going to have to play their best hockey right now. The one thing I love about the NHL is it is an absolute marathon. I think, in my opinion, it is the hardest sport next to baseball to keep up consistency throughout the year. You are playing 82 games of hockey. Granted, baseball, there is no contact. There is no physical contact other than getting hit by a ball. In hockey, you are getting slammed up against the boards. You are constantly hitting the ice. You are putting very uh, putting a lot of pressure on your joints. You're playing 82 games, and then if you go into the Stanley Cup playoffs, you could play up to four rounds at seven games apiece. That's an extra 28 games on top of that, playing a total of over uh, of around 110 games. And then when you end it, say if you end it in June with Game Seven, you're ending around mid June. 
training camp starts right back up in August. Yep. You literally got two months off, and it just shows the the tenacity that's in this sport, the the passion that goes into it. Everything's bigger when that Stanley Cup is involved. If you ever get to go to a Penguins game at PPG Paints Arena, it is one of the best experiences you'll ever have. But if you go there during a playoff, go there during a playoff game is a whole nother monster. The cup means a lot. I've watched them during two cup runs. I've stayed up till midnight watching them go into double overtime against teams. And my heart, I've had my heart broken many a times with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But the one thing I know is they do rise. They, the cream always rises to the top. And I think with the talent the Penguins have, it is hard for me to see them not make it in the playoffs with Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Jake Ginsel, Phil Kessel, Chris Letang. I think it's just going to be surprising. Well, if they I think don't. these close games right now, I see that they've lost nine overtime games. Uh, you know, they still gain a point whenever they lose in overtime. And also, they're like fifth, I think, in scoring. Goals four, they have 226 goals. They've given up 202. So offensively, I think you and I was talking earlier, offensively has not really been the problem. It's definitely defensively, but uh, they're one of the top four or five scoring teams, though, uh, when it comes to the NHL. So they're putting the, the puck in the net, but they got to prevent that puck from going in the net. So Well, I think when Jim Rutherford acquired two defensemen, on the trade deadline in Eric Goodbranson and Chris Wyman, they're two physical defensemen, two defensemen that are not known for scoring. I think it definitely shores up the blue line when you lose a person like Chris Letang from injury from the uh, from the Stadium Series game and you lose Brian Dumoulin from the Stadium Series games as well. It helps you shore up the defense. You're also missing another defenseman, Oli Mata, a guy who has been really instrumental in the last two Stanley Cup playoff runs that we have done. So I think when Jim Rutherford went out, he got what we needed. Uh, Erica Branson is still signed through another year, so it definitely brings the consistency. One thing about Erica Branson is he is not a scorer. He is a defenseman. He has not been known to be a scorer in the NHL in his career so far. Well, I'm just looking forward to the final push. And, again, I'm looking forward to uh, the weather warming up as it's been pretty cold here in Preston County. And, uh, I almost called you Neil, uh, Aaron. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to the Pirates uh, baseball season as well. I know that uh, my dad's looking forward to preseason exhibition games being on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I know my dad, he's 79 years old. He's looking forward to the upcoming season. He always does. He watches every game. Uh, that he can watch, and he's a huge fan. So I'm looking forward to the Pirates as well. So uh, we got the playoff push and for the Penguins, and we got preseason um, spring training baseball in full swing. Well, I know that's one thing we'll be talking about on next week's show. On next Tuesday, March the 12th, that's one thing I'm excited about is the Pittsburgh Pirates. I go to about five or six games of those a year. I know us here at the radio station, we're taking a trip up on May 31st to watch them play the Milwaukee Brewers on a Friday night, free shirt Friday. So I look forward to this. And yet again, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Sports Roundtable being brought to you by Brouhaha, Three Guys Fitness out of Reedsville, Parks, Kubota out of Brewston Mills and shortcuts in in Morgantown, which is located right next to the downtown campus of West Virginia University. For Kelly Gamble, I'm Aaron Ho signing off. See you guys next week. Always a pleasure.